welcome to this week's episode of Tea with Coco. I am Coco like Chanel, and this week I wanted to talk about personal outsourcing. So a lot of times when we say the word outsourcing, people are thinking and associating it with businesses who do, right? We, we've definitely all been on the phone with companies that have outsourced their business to different countries. But what I'm talking about with personal outsourcing is the things that we choose to do ourselves and take on that financial and time cost associated with that service or product and what we choose to outsource. So kind of the value system that's built into there. Something that's $100 a month is is $1,200 a year, and that, mon chéri, is a plane ticket to Paris and back for me. So we have to prioritize what's important to ourselves individually, and so I thought I would spend some time today discussing some of the differences between what Europeans outsource and why and what Americans outsource and why. I remember reading an interview of J.K. Rowling by Oprah, and J.K. Rowling said, one of the most difficult adaptations that she had to really wrap her mind around with her incredible fame and wealth wasn't the being recognized in the street because she wasn't an actress celebrity, but when she was going to check out, we all have this internal dilemma, or, or most of us do, of, all right, I like this and I like this, which one am I going to get? And Oprah and J.K. Rowling were discussing how difficult it was for your mind to adapt to that idea of being able to get both things that you wanted. If any of the listeners out there indulge in a bit of reality TV now and then, you'll see how some of the Real Housewives have things like glam squads that are on their staff to do things like their makeup and their hair. That's something that we, as normal middle class would not think to outsource because it would be cost prohibitive for us. That would be something we would indulge in only for a very special occasion. So let's go through some of the things that we do outsource as people and we can discuss a little bit about what the value systems are and do some comparing and contrasting between the U.S. and Europe. One of the things that we all outsource with some degree of frequency is cooking. So whether we're going out to a restaurant to enjoy a meal or picking up takeout or ordering delivery, that is something that we are outsourcing. We are not going to the grocery store and getting the food and preparing the food. We're outsourcing all of that and we're paying sometimes a very hefty premium for that service and the eventual product. This one was an interesting one to start with because it's something that every culture outsources to some degree. In Europe, we are infamous for absolutely loving to go out to meals with with our family, with friends. Going out to dinner is actually an event, like going to the movies would be here in the U.S. There's drinks beforehand. There is the actual meal, which is anywhere from two to three hours. There's after-dinner drinks, which if the conversation is good enough, can roll on for hours on end. That is a very different investment and mindset for outsourcing cooking than getting a pizza delivered or picking up takeout or frozen food. I'm not quantifying what the value should be for one versus the other, 
But I do think it's interesting that one is about creating an experience and one is about convenience. And in the U.S., for sure, I think there is this idea that none of us have time. And so the thought of going out to dinner in Europe is not as a time-saving element. It's actually as the creation of an event that you get to enjoy in together. And for me, at least, when I think about what I'm going to outsource and what the value is to me, the creation of an experience like that is definitely worth it to me. Where if I'm going to spend $30 picking up Thai food and eating it alone on my couch while watching reruns of How I Met Your Mother, that has a very different value prop to me in terms of what I would want to outsource. It would be much easier for me to just cook some eggs in my refrigerator and do that than invest the money in that. I think it's a big differentiator between the European habits of outsourcing cooking and the American ones. I'm not trying to demonize picking up takeout food or ordering delivery because I've definitely done that and they do in Europe as well. It's actually becoming more popular. But for those of us that can't simply get everything that we want, our funds don't stretch that far. It is something that we don't stop and think about enough. Where do we want to invest our time and our money and what is the return on that investment? And cooking is just so essential for our everyday. It's something that is the forefront of our mind that it was a great first place for us to start the discussion. So have a think about how often you outsource your cooking and what type of return you get on that investment. House cleaning is another thing that a lot of people across social and cultural boundaries outsource to varying degrees, whether you have live-in staff or utilize a cleaning service weekly or monthly to do the deep cleaning of your house. It's something that can be outsourced, but also can be done by you, the homeowner. So it goes back to that value of Do you want to spend your time doing that type of cleaning or is it unenjoyable enough that it's worth the investment for you to put your money into having somebody else do those tasks for you? And I think it absolutely shifts with age and income. Obviously, I never would have dreamed of hiring a cleaning service when I was 21, but now as I'm entering my 30s, The idea of scrubbing baseboards and mopping floors and scrubbing toilets is becoming less appealing as my income is also growing. I feel like it's more disposable. I personally haven't flipped that switch yet because I think my money is better spent in other places. I don't see the return on that investment yet for myself, but I know other people, especially some of my friends that have children and are moms where They really don't want to spend their weekend doing those type of chores and their children maybe aren't at the age where they're able to help facilitate in the cleaning of the house yet. So I think, you know, definitely teach their own. I think it's something that is very linear between the U.S. and Europe. It's very much based on personality and income level and what you're able to stand. Some people don't mind the cleaning that much. For some people, it's a ritual, putting on music and using your grandmother's recipe for window cleaner or your own secret combination of things that you've looked up. Uh, A lot more people in the U.S. are 
really becoming concentrated on using natural and homeopathic methods of cleaning their house as opposed to some highly concentrated chemicals. And that's a really beautiful shift and something that's coming, I think, out of that desire to get back to our roots. It's something that still exists very prominently in Europe and probably will because, again, rooted in ritual or rooted in tradition. So if you, like me, still see enough value in your money versus your time it takes to clean the house, you can definitely keep that as an in-house But if your time is better spent and you have the funds, it's something that crosses cultural borders and is more of a personal preference and monetary preference. That is in complete juxtaposition to the next one I'm going to talk about, which is personal grooming, nails and hair. In Europe, it would be very rare for someone to do a blowout or have a monthly or sometimes in the U.S. I've heard of bi-monthly appointments to get your nails done. It's not that Europeans don't get their hair done. Absolutely, they do. They get it colored usually only in very close shade to their natural color in a place like France Or in Germany, if you have some of the underground movements, some very fun poppy colors. But they really stick to what is natural and what looks clean and is easy to maintain. Because they don't go every few weeks to the salon. For nails, it's very similar. It's not that they never get manicures or pedicures done, but it is a rarity. In fact, the French manicure is something of an enigma because it's the exact opposite of what most women in France would ever want to have, which is it's very apparent that you had your nails done, which is the antithesis of what all European self-care and maintenance is really supposed to be about. It's supposed to look effortless, even if it is a lot of effort. And the French manicure is so funny because those bright white tips with that ultra shiny chic shellac over it, what a great alliteration there, is really apparent to everyone that sees it, that you got your nails done and that it's not real, in fact. So it's an interesting cultural divide there that In the U.S., much more common, I think there's five or six nail salons on a three-block street in my neighborhood here in San Diego, where it is much more of a rarity in Europe. It's something that they do in-house. They do not see the value in it, and truthfully, I don't either. It's something that's fun to do with friends, again, as an activity. If you're going to a bachelorette party or when my mother's in town to sit in those nice comfy back chairs with the massage and have a glass of wine and catch up with them and be pampered, that is investing in an experience. But trying to schedule a manicure or a pedicure into my already busy week, I want that time and that money spent someplace else. Pedicures can get very expensive in the U.S., uh, something around $50 to $60 for a pedicure, and that's not if you have yet to jump on the gel bandwagon. So there's a, a big cultural divide there between European habits and the U.S. habits for nails. Hair is a little bit more elusive, but they like to stick to natural shades so that they can go longer without getting 
their hair dyed or colored because again, they wouldn't want the appearance of getting their hair done. It's supposed to all be natural looking. You just woke up and looked like this when you got out of bed. Even if it's a lie, they want you to believe it's true. And something like roots would give that away instantaneously. That's also why things like blowouts aren't as popular over in Europe because it looks like you had your hair done. And a lot of times that feels fabulous. I quite enjoy getting a blowout every once in a while because your hair does feel fresh and clean. But there is a very deep-rooted belief in Europe that what is beautiful is what is natural. And it's about enhancing that rather than trying to hide it behind something very done up. That's why things like the messy bun or braids are much more popular as an alternative to getting something like a blowout done. If you guys are looking for some very quick tips on how to do some of those famous French updos in five minutes or less, take a look at our blog post, Fab in Five. There are some picture tutorials, soon to be a video tutorial, and it can really help you get out of the door still looking great without having to put the money and the time into getting a blowout. If you are one of those diehards that cannot think of a month without going to the nail salon, I would urge you to give it a try. Next time you go to the nail salon, have them just buff and shine your nails and cut them. Then use some really wonderful, what I like to call grandmother recipes, and see how they actually make you look and feel. For a lot of Europeans, using lemon juice on their nails and old garlic if you put it through the press and then take it out and rub it on your cuticles. Although it may not leave your hands smelling so great if you don't love garlic as much as I do. It really does have that uh, old wives tale truth behind it of increasing strength and shine. Give it a try and see if you can come up with some of your own recipes on how to do those things at home. I personally like to spend some of my more understimulating conference calls buffing my nails silently in the background. Give it a shot. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, there are some things that Europeans invest in on a monthly basis that Americans might see as an overindulgence. Things like getting regular facials are very prominent in Europe. It is viewed as a basic necessity for skincare. To the same vein, many Europeans invest in massage therapy. It's something that they view as a mental and physical benefit. There are actually some health facilities in Europe that are helping people recover from intense health trauma, such as heart attacks, that focus on things like nutrition and very deeply believe that massage therapy can help heal the body. It's something that has steeped into their culture like a hot cup of tea and is definitely prevalent with where they spend their time and money on those type of luxuries. Things that you would find in the home as well. Instead of going and spending that 60 euros on a pedicure, they would buy more expensive skincare products, expensive candles or lotions to do an at-home manicure. 
while some here in the U.S. would want to go and get their nails done, but buy drugstore or less expensive products for their hair, skin, or nails. It is a just difference in value and in the expected outcome. What needs to look so perfect that people recognize that they have it done? And what are the things that you want to invest in to make your home and your day-to-day more luxurious and enjoyable? So take a few moments and go through your list of things. If you have a vehicle or a pet, there could be other things that you have to outsource that you want to add to that list, such as getting the car washed and vacuumed, getting the dog washed and groomed and nails cut. It's all those little things that add up and figuring out what we want to take over the responsibility for and therefore put our funds in a different venture, and when is it worth it to outsource? So please have a look and let us know either by going onto the blog, www.cocolikechanel.com and sending us an email, or you can always leave reviews on the podcast. So finally, to end it with our lanyap, our little something extra today, I wanted to give you guys some recipes and tips and tricks around the garlic nails comment I made earlier in the podcast. Now, while it's absolutely okay to take the old skins of garlic after you've put it through a garlic press and rub them on your nails before you toss it out, which I would recommend doing if you don't mind the intense smell of garlic lingering on your fingers for a few hours after you've done that ritual, there is another way. Take about a fourth teaspoon to a half teaspoon of garlic chopped and put it into the bottom of clear nail polish. All of the nutrients will seep out into the clear nail polish and then you can use that as either a base coat or as the complete coat if you're doing your nails at home. So go ahead and give that a shot. It's a great home remedy to get your nails looking shiny and strong and bright and natural. Please let me know how you guys like it. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Tea with Coco, the European American with Coco like Chanel. And until next time, laissez le bon temps rouler and everyone have a great day.